thanks for joining us for this sixth Hemisync podcast. I'm here today with Deborah Martin, one of the principals of Spotted Peccary. Spotted Peccary is a record label dedicated to deep, vast, and introspective soundscapes, which has frequently collaborated with Hemisync over the years. Deborah is also a musician in her own right, with three of her pieces having been made into Hemisync albums. Those are Convergence, Beneath the Moon, and Dimensions of Time. So check them out. But um, Deborah, so I'm curious, how did Spotted Peccary begin? I understand you've been around for quite a long time now. Yes, um, the label itself has been operating for 31 years. This is our 31st year, and I'm, I'm so proud of that, uh, to have such a dedicated group of individuals that all have a same common goal in mind, to create, utilizing art, married with what the music compositions are, to, to have um, just a musical soundscape that can be put out to the public wherever it ends up. And our music has been found in so many different places, it's hard to explain. You never know where it's going to end up, actually. Right. Um, I first met the, uh, the original uh, founder and owners of the label. There was five of them. And that was back like in 1982. I was uh, touring with another individual. We were doing music that was kind of on the folk scene. You're talking the early 80s here. And um, we were going around to colleges and such. And my uh, other partner at the time, uh, she said to me, I'm from Tucson and I know these musicians that have a studio. Maybe we should record some of the songs we wrote. I said, what a great idea. So I went to Tucson and uh, met Howard, and there was this house in Tucson, and these people were living in it, and it was very much like a communal setting, and there was a big room that had nothing but all kinds of analog equipment they were plugging in, there was cables everywhere, and we recorded a couple of the songs that we were doing. Um, and one of the owners there, uh, Gupri Chima, Tito Chima, he is no longer an owner, it's been many years, um, but he invited me to join them because he could see, I guess, potential, I don't know what he saw actually, other than the fact that he liked me and we got along great, we were doing music stuff, and I think they were just trying to gather a group of people who were like-minded in terms of it was all about the art and the music, and it was all experiential at that time in terms of sounds, the analog sounds, how to program the synthesizers from the old school, you know, way of doing it. Yeah. And because I was already committed doing touring and stuff, I could not join them at that time, but I continued to stay in touch. And um, they had one album that they were working on, the original Brain Laughter One, mm -hmm. and that came out in 86, 1986. It took a long time. They were all college students working, um, doing all kinds of other things. And so that came out and that's when the label actually got formed. It was originally an Arizona corporation yeah. and they came up with the name Brain Laughter for the corporation. I mean, that's something that communes and hippies and so yeah. on would do. And the lifestyle, very bohemian, very eclectic. And it was an exciting time, I think, for people who were learning and experimenting with sounds. Um, so that became the corporation name. And then we needed a publishing company name. And they 
had come up with several names based in the desert. The label originally was focused on music from the North American continent, specifically in the Pacific Southwest. And I think one of the names they wanted was Spotted Owl, but it was already taken for a publishing name. So the javelina, or the collared peccary, is a wild boar. They're indigenous to the Sonoran Desert. As a matter of fact, it's the only wild boar or boar that you would find on the North American continent of any kind. All other pigs and any other kind of uh, wild boar were imported from Europe way back in the day when the pilgrims and everybody came over. But this is the only one indigenous. I actually have an archaeology magazine article where they found the skeletal remains in a cave somewhere down near the Sonoran Desert of a wild peccary, and it's 35,000 years old. And that thing is massive. The skeleton is just massive. And it's like, oh my god, it was a prehistoric peccary. So they chose the name peccary, uh -huh. and in their bohemian state, decided to put spots on it. Uh -huh. So that's why it's spotted peccary. So spotted peccary music was born, yeah. and that became the publishing company. And spotted peccary music is the record label, uh -huh. and so um, that's how it came about. The peccary itself has a white collar around it, but not spots. And then, because it's music, we decided to put the little guy walking across the keyboard. Yeah. So that's our trademark. We actually own that trademark and have all these years uh, of our signature look. So when people look for spotted peccary music, they know to look for that logo. They see it, they go, oh, it's a spotted peccary release. Okay. Yeah. So um, that was how that all came about, pretty much. And I joined the label at the very tail end of 1990, okay. uh, or the, like December 90 or January 91, which, you know, I'm kind of anal, so I remember lots of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then just started working on music. Um, actually, at that time, uh, gathered, started inviting artists, and that was in Southern California. The label moved to right. Southern California yeah, in about 87 or 88 or something. And I think... Um, it became a uh, California corporation, but we used the original founding date for our being in business because we actually were doing stuff in Tucson at the time, and then changed it to a California corporation when the label, when they migrated, the peccaries all migrated to Southern <laughs> California and went yeah. to San Diego, yeah. and we were in a house there, and I actually lived in the house for many, many years. Were they still psychedelic peccaries at that time? or? Well, they were kind of yeah. still, yeah, they were still like, we're peccaries. Yeah. But then uh, some of the original founding members didn't make it out there, a okay. couple of them. And then by the time 93, 94 came around, the original members were kind of gone except for Howard, the founder. Mm -hmm. And then, but I was already there. And then we had uh, about a year after that or two, John Jenkins came on board. And then we started inviting more artists and stuff. And so Howard, John, and I have been the, the owners, you know, ever since that time. And we kind of just try to steer it in, an, in a direction that keeps expanding. And I like to say we've been exploring all these years different methodologies of electronic music. Yeah. But we are expanding the boundaries. We love to push the envelope on the technology. Yeah. 
Um, I think that we were one of the first independent labels pretty much when iTunes came out mm -hmm. that will sign. Yeah. So we've been around with iTunes for a very long time with music. And of course we have lots of digital you know, platforms that our music is on as well as our own website, spottedpeckery.com. Yeah. And we have a band camp page also. But what is really nice, one of the things that I love about the music that we do, most of it's instrumental. I think I'm the only artist that does vocals. We're artist owned and operated. Mm -hmm. So we understand what it's like to be an artist, but we also do all of the things business wise and yeah. administrative wise that are necessary to get the music out there. Right. But it just, you know, there's just so many facets to it. But what I do love is that the music is able to be utilized in many facets. And one of the ones that we love actually is being affiliated and associated with. Hemisync right. and what its capabilities and technologies can do um, well, in terms of, you know. Yeah, and I think the music on your label is interesting to us because it tends to transport the listener. Um, and it, it seems to transport them to a specific time and place. Yes. And so why do you think your music does that? And, you know, what what is it about the power of music that it can kind of have that impact on, on any listener's Oh, that's a great question, and and it that question goes on many levels. If you're talking about music as a healing modality, now keep in mind, I was I was literally doing music therapy before they even called it music therapy. I was touring in the Bay Area, going to hospitals and convalescent homes and retirement homes, where there were a lot of shut-ins and had nothing that no one would visit them and stuff. And I would just take a guitar and go in and sit and sing with them, yeah. or bring percussion instruments. Okay, music or sound waves have. It's the only thing that will open up the right and left hemisphere of the brain at the same time. And so I've done a lot of work with autistic children, children with low syndrome, or children who've had, and not just children, I'm talking from infancy up to adults, yeah. who have some sort of a, a brain injury or any type of an issue, or are processing, I will call it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those individuals, because there's not. They're simply processing in a different way. Yeah. Music allows the processing to become enhanced because then the neuron firing sequencing patterns can be altered or changed in some way. And certain sounds are gonna trigger more negative responses in that individual than other sounds. You have metallic sounds, uh, or you have what I call earth sounds, which would be wood blocks or rattles or shakers that don't have any metallic uh, overtones and certain frequency ranges and tempos, all of these things play an important part in how somebody processes. And I'm, I learned a great deal when I was assessing children to see if they were on the spectrum of autism or whether they were labeled ADHD, which yeah. you know is kind of overdone these days. But some children are very active and some are not so active. It's all in the processing. So music allows the brain to open up. Mm -hmm. And when you open up the brain, if you're speaking on an energetic level yeah. or a consciousness level, the crown can open up mm -hmm. and then there's all possible. There's mm -hmm. no limitations then. And it helps in healing the body. Yeah. If you've got somebody uh, 
actually another thing that the music's been used for um, in some of my music, that, interestingly enough, was used in many birthing centers for women going into labor. We A lot of our music has been used by yoga centers, massage therapists, in medical situations, yeah. and uh, a lot of American Indian tribal groups have used this music because they believe, there's a belief system that's incorporated into this. Yeah. So that's important. And so what is the importance of evoking a certain time or place? Well, uh, it depends on the referencing. If someone is got an injury, let's say, mm -hmm. I'll just use this as an example, someone's in a car accident and they're stuck in that car accident space. If they were to hear music that visually would enhance them going to a different spatial place, um, if there's a music that, that's very vast and open, open spaces, so to speak, yeah. that would cause the visual to invoke being on a mountain or being at a lake on a mountain with trees and forests, mm -hmm. that reference may trigger something in their brain yeah. to go to that space instead of that. So it will unlock mm -hmm. that stuckness yeah. um, and relax the body enough to where, uh, you know, there's all kinds of channels in the body. You've got the, uh, acupunctures use it a lot and my mind just went blank on the term of it um, but uh, the meridians okay yeah. you have all the energy meridians in the body and scientifically now it's been shown they can track these meridians now and see yeah. where there's a flow so if there's a stuck place in the brain and the music has them visualize a certain place and we are as an art oriented label you'll notice we have specific artwork that goes with our music. Yeah. The visual, it enhances by, if somebody looks at an album cover and they buy the album because they see this beautiful scene and they go, oh, that's awesome, I wanna go to that space. The music, if the music really matches that visual, it will take them there. Yeah. But if it doesn't, it's kind of like somebody giving you a tomato saying it's a grape and your taste buds are shocked. Right. It's a shock to this. Right. It yeah. does not work. We match our art with what the music is supposed to invoke. Now, that is also very subjective. Yeah. Every, you could have 10,000 people buy the same CD and you're going to get 10,000 variations on that theme. Yeah. Because each person's processing is going to be different. You'll get a lot of similarities, but you could have a couple that are just going to be so different. You're going to go, how did they get that out of that? But it right. doesn't matter as long as it's taking them somewhere. Right. So the visual occurs, that person's in a coma, and all of a sudden this music's playing. Yeah. And it triggers something that brings alive that visual enhancement of that scene. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, blammo. Yeah. And I'm not saying it happens every time, but it has happened many times. Well, so. I think the idea of creating space is really interesting because, you know, so often we feel very constricted in our daily lives um, yes. due to you know, our own particular set of beliefs, yes. um, you know, our to-do list for the day, you know, where we've got to be, yes. and also, you know, often traumatic injuries or, or wounding. And yes. these all kind of conspire to really narrow and limit our experience. Absolutely. And so to the extent 
it's all of these kind of compose our frame of reference. Yes. So to the extent you can move somebody into a different time and place, it totally changes their frame of reference yes. and creates the space that you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, I have a very vivid imagination. Mm -hmm. There's no question. It just comes. Part of the reason for that, I believe, is because I am an external processor. That is where my go-to is. That's my normal, part of my patterning is external. So I will go out, I'm out in the ethers most of the time, but because of that, there's a vast potential that occurs because I'm looking at many different scenarios at once. If I'm traveling somewhere, and let's say, and I love to travel, I've traveled all over the world, I've had many wonderful experiences with many cultures, different places, events, mm -hmm. occurrences. I've done a lot of work with American Indian and tribal people. If I'm on the Indian reservation, right. I don't just go there and go, oh wow, look at these Indians. Oh, yeah. for heaven's sakes, that would be so rude. But I'm there and I'm going, oh, what would it have been like if I was here a hundred years ago? Yeah. What would that feel like? Now, how do you translate that feeling into a recording? Yeah. What makes it come alive? How do you make a mountain green? Yeah. How do you make a tree come to life that gives that life force to the individual that loves trees? Yeah. What can you do in a recording, even digitally? I love analog recording because there's a certain warmth and depth to the sound. You can now get that with digital recording, but I still am a go-to analog person. I'll compose and create using analog sounds or analog recorded sounds, but I like using handmade instruments for the commercial mm -hmm. stuff or a guitar, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll sculpt mm -hmm. like, like a fine artist who's making a, a chisel like Michelangelo, like he's chiseling something or you know, something like that, and I'll sculpt it together, and then I marry that with the digital sounds. Yeah to bring levels and layers of depth mm -hmm. in the textures that are being put together. If the first track can stand alone by itself, that's all you need. And I'm a melodic composer. Yeah. So you have a melody, what does that invoke? If I can feel something strong and if it brings tears to my eyes or if it triggers a memory, yeah. if I have a melody that makes me feel like I'm a caveman from 10,000 years ago yeah. looking at a sunrise for the first time. How would that feel and how can you capture that one moment in a recording, in an electronic situation? That's where I will create from. Right. And that's what can create the visual for somebody else. There's a depth of feel in there that it's hard to describe. And there's an enrichment that occurs with the nature of whatever the sounds are. And all of our artists create differently. Some are very industrial. Uh, we have an artist, uh, Deepernet, Andrew Miles. He is a fantastic composer with what he does, but it's pure electronic. He manipulates those sounds and creates these wave patterns and forms that I call it industrial and mechanical, robotic. Yeah but it's very powerful at the same time. So people that are triggered by those type of sounds, they're gonna get a depth out of that that's gonna trigger something for them in a healing. Yeah. Our world today um, is 
going faster and faster. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm of a generation. I won't say I'm old, but you know, hey. But the the technology is coming faster than we can keep up with it. Yeah. And these two most recent generations, it, in a way, it saddens me to see people standing next to each other doing this yeah, on the phone. Yeah. and not looking at each other, not having that human connection by I'm looking right at you and there is definitely an energy exchange happening sure. between us. We are, we are looking at each other, we're feeling that moment, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of the younger, there's missing a layer, it's like peeling an onion. There's a layer missing in that interaction part. Yeah. If there's a coldness that happens and I don't want to see that go away, they're actually having to relearn that. Yeah, it's actually more baggage that further narrows their experience. Yes. Um, and, and to your point about you know society getting faster and faster, I mean, one of the things we've done at Hemisync is you know there's a certain delta signal that we use at the start of most of our tracks to just kind of get people um, to slow down and relax. And over the years, we've had to take that signal lower and lower kind of match a society that is moving faster and faster. I agree um, with so that. So you see the same thing. Yes. Kevin and I have talked about that. Yeah. Kevin, I have to say, he's a fantastic mastering engineer. He really understands what he's doing. Hello, right. Kevin. You so are genius. She's talking about Kevin Cowan, who is the heavy sync sound engineer. Yes. Um, he is brilliant. He can actually... I, I visited uh, Hemisync. I had the honor and privilege of going out there a couple of years ago. World headquarters. Oh, it was awesome. And got to go also to the Monroe Institute where Bob Monroe had founded these technologies and created these beliefs and ideas that would enhance and help people. But Kevin and I sat in the facility there in the mastering uh, suite and we were talking about the nuances of the alpha and the beta and the theta and the delta waves and how it triggers responses in the brain. Right. And he he understands the minuteness yeah. of where that needs to go and is able to marry that into the musical compositions beautifully. Yeah. It's flawless. It is seamless. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I love about how you guys work together because the spotted peccary music already has a lot of complexity and depth and layering to it. Yes. And then Kevin marries it with Hemisync, which also has a lot of complexity and depth and layering to it. Absolutely. And does it in a way so that um, it enhances it and does not interfere with it. Yes, I think that I love the role that we play in terms of providing compositional structures yeah. that allow the expansiveness of what the Hemisync technology is which then gives the listener a different perspective. And I will state, we actually have a lot of people that have gone to our website and ordered specific titles because they're looking for a release of some sort. Mm. The hecticness, there's a lot of pressures in society today. It's very hard functioning in the world today. A lot of cultural pressures, a lot of different things going on, and a lot more people on the planet. Yeah. And you feel that pressure. Right. And people with families, it makes it even harder. They're trying to figure out, how can we survive and sustain? The music is a calming influence. And these same individuals are going to Hemisync 
and purchasing the Hemisync version that is different from our version. And don't drive with it, let me tell you. <laughs> I will say that. Do yeah. not drive. It puts you in a different state. It creates a state change. Yeah. It's not an escape. No. It's almost, and I want to say that very emphatically, it is not an escape. No. It's a deepening of your present experience. Yes, it's not yeah. taking pills, it's not on medication, it's not anything except allowing the body to go into that mode and deepening the experience. But not only that, it can be very healing, and having that there gets the body back to a calm state, I believe strongly in that, so that the next day when they go to work, for some reason, the day just seems seamless for some reason. Because it flows with that inner program yeah. that just keeps things running. Yeah. And you're not so affected or triggered by external you know, things that will bounce at you. You're, you're just in a calmer state. Yeah. I, I love it. The, you know, the ascending, descending calms, they just, they just go. It's <laughs> clockwork. It's beautiful. So. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about this new project that we have coming out. It's called Secret Space Project. Oh, yes. And yes. so this is a beta piece, which means it's suitable for tasks of vigilance. Um, and we haven't done one of these in a while, so yeah. you know, very excited for it. We are extremely excited about it. Um, uh, Svaranut Johansson is the artist's name. He lives in Sweden. And he is so excited to be an artist on Spotted Peccary. He sends email pictures to us of him sitting with, with fans going, we love Spotted Peccary music. <laughs> He's very excited. We sent him a t-shirt. He is just, he is a very gracious individual. Uh -huh. And he loves the fact that his music is getting utilized for things that will have an impact, hopefully, on individuals that can utilize this. And Kevin was so excited when he listened to the compositions. The album that we have, it is called Secret Space Program, and I'm not certain yet what Hemisync is going to entitle the program. I think what, what happens is when Kevin uh, discerns the music, yeah. he listens to it, he ascertains if it's something that will work with the technology of Hemisync, because quite frankly, some of it may not work. And so he determined that this would be a perfect perfect model for using the beta mm -hmm. uh, sound uh, wave in there, uh, the signals, and I think he took one or two tracks out of the album because they were not quite suitable, but he sent me a test mm -hmm. of the songs that he did, and he cross-faded one to the other. It becomes a whole new journey for whoever's listening to it, and I usually, I don't even know what he does. Yeah. I do it on purpose. He has the list and what he's done, and he usually doesn't send it to me until he sends me the disc to listen to. Mm -hmm. I don't look at anything. I stick the disc in, I get a pad of paper and a pencil, yeah. and then I just sit back and I listen to it one time with my eyes closed just to see what happens, and I watch what happens in my body. Where is it going? What's happening in my body while, it's, while this music is going through? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling? What's triggering? What's not triggering? How do I feel? And where does it take me? Yeah. Then I listen to it again with my eyes open. And I don't look at anything. I just start the thing over and I write track one. And sometimes I can't even tell when it goes from track one to track two. I just start 
journal writing what is happening to me while the music is playing. Mm -hmm. And I go all the way through and I just write and write and write and write. Then I listen to it a third time, but I wait for a few hours. Mm -hmm. I have to allow my body to just, I just let it process and see what happens. Then I'll go back and listen to it a third time, later in the day or that evening. And I look at my notes and I look at what the tracks are doing. And as I'm writing, I'll look to see when it changes from track one to two to three. Mm -hmm. And I'll put little notes on the side. And then I send Kevin an email the following day or so. And I go, oh, you've done it again. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I literally, one time I actually scanned in my handwritten notes. I had so many pages. And he said, I have to see what you wrote. Because what I wrote, without even knowing what he had done, was exactly what he had intended for each thing. Yeah. It was uncanny. It was almost like our two brains yeah. got squished together and we're thinking the same thing at the same time. It was so powerful. Yeah. And I think that is so important. Right. There are so many people that I feel so strongly would benefit from this technology yeah. if they only knew it was there. So I think getting the word out and having everyone know about it is great. Yeah. And so we love doing that. We love, I'm every, I travel a lot, so I'm like, oh, did you see this? Or, did, or I'll take and hand out samples or let people do you know different things my husband Chris who's a, uh, a psychologist and so on he does a lot of retreats and workshops mm -hmm. and I always have on hand uh, some of the hemisync titles because he's teaching fourth level you know very very advanced personal developmental studies and stuff from it's just very advanced stuff and he has mm -hmm. a lot of uh, professionals that are looking they know there's something out there that's more, and they want to yeah. deepen their level of understanding of what's happening today, yeah. and how do they do that. Yeah. So it's quite a journey. It really is. It is, yeah. and uh, you and Kevin work great together yeah. in shows. So, yeah, uh, we I, have I, a great time. Yeah, we, we hope everyone likes it. I do, too. I've, I've gotten nothing but good feedback, and Carol, mm -hmm. Carol Moore has been just wonderful. I've known her for a very, very long time, um, and she has been invaluable in terms of getting the administrative stuff done. Mm -hmm. As soon as we, she'll send me a thing and say, well, Deborah, um, <clears throat> we're looking at this uh, title. What do you think? And I'm like, absolutely, take it, run with it. Mm -hmm. And then she'll send the agreement. We get that done right away so that they can, so that Kevin can immediately begin yeah. work. And then that process starts. And I'll get emails from her saying, Deborah, AJ, myself, Kevin, we've been listening to this but we can't come up with a name. Yeah. We don't want to use your name, and we don't. We, it needs to be a different name okay. because it's a different project. It's doing something different. Yeah. And they want to keep the intent of what the artist wanted creatively, but it just becomes so much more. Yeah. And so she'll send me different song titles and say, what do you think? <laughs> and I'll look at them, and sometimes <clears throat> I'll go, no, no, no. Yeah. And I'll send back a list and I'll say, what about this? What about this? What about this? And several times now, the names that I have sent actually were perfect what they were looking for. They just couldn't find it. Yeah. It was out there in a stream somewhere, but there it is. And she sends back, oh, that's perfect. That's just what we want. And so they'll go with that name. Uh -huh. And then we go back and forth on the liner notes. I have never turned down any of the artwork that's been submitted. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Carol always sends it to me and says, what do you think? Does this look okay? Mm -hmm. There's been one or two times, I think, where I've changed one word. Mm -hmm. But literally, you guys have it nailed down. It's a good team. Yeah. Uh, when you have something that works, you don't want to mess with it because what you want to do is grow it and you yeah. want to expand it. And I think that's what's happening now. You came on board, I think, with a very specific intention of expanding him, he's saying, am I not correct? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like, um, you know, the world faces a, a number of issues that seem intractable, and um, I'm skeptical that they have any sort of uh, political or ideological solution. Um, I think the only real answer is more people doing this type of work, and um, I still think hemisync is the best way for a novice meditator to have a deep experience pretty quickly, Yes. Um, or for an experienced meditator to have this still deeper experience and to hold it for longer. Um, and so, you know, I think the world would be a very different place if, say, a billion people were doing work on themselves. Oh, I believe that very much so. And if it's made available to the public, um, I would love, personally, I would love to see the Hemisync titles in every yoga and meditation center across the country. I would love to see the Hemisync titles in intensive care units at major hospitals. I would love to see it at the cancer centers that they're trying to now establish. I would love to see it as part of a wellness program that would be available to anyone that wanted to use it, mm -hmm. that it could be made there. And I know that you're working on many new ways. The potential is absolutely there and I'm very excited about that part of it. And as a record label, as an artist and a composer whose music has been utilized in this, and seeing the results of what can happen, I f am very strongly in support of that. And anything that I personally, as an artist or composer, can do to be of a service in that regard, mm. I'm happy to do, which is why I get so excited when yeah. Kevin and I, we look forward, we don't talk all the time, but mm -hmm. each project, when we talk, we'll spend an hour or two on the phone just going through every single nuance and I get so excited Kevin gets excited when everyone gets excited about it yeah. it creates a ball of energy that can't help but translate into what's getting out there and people will feel that yeah, they know absolutely. it and I would really love to see that in healing centers wellness programs um, certain releases that Hemisync does or has already out there do trigger various responses but I would love to see a specific meditative line yeah. and a specific healing wellness line. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that's the direction you're taking it we're, in because it makes sense. We're working on building that out. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to see more of that at the Monroe Institute where people could go to do the very in-depth studies that Bob Monroe had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And people can go and do all of those deep, deep, deep programs and redo themselves just reprogram everything if that's what they're looking for but it would be also awesome to have at least at least once a month I would love to see a wellness retreat every weekend yeah. or on a weekend where people could come and have those particular releases to do the retreat with serious meditations yeah. there's meditative models happening all over the place but what I'm finding is when I talk to people, and this is in travels, and my husband Chris who teaches and does this very advanced personality development and programming, and they, a lot of his students, and they come from all over the world that he, that he works with, but they'll talk to him and say, oh, I just went to this retreat. Mm -hmm. 
But when it was over, there was no residual effect from yeah, it. That's Why is common. that? And that's a that's such an important thing. Yeah. If you're going to pay money and go do that, you want something that you can redo again and again. Yeah. The references. I'll use this as a perfect example, I think, and this can apply to the hemi-sync releases. Um, there was a cranial sacral uh, and therapist in Denver, Colorado, and I traveled there many times. My husband was doing retreats and specific classes there, and she was one of his students. And she wanted something that would help enhance what her clients were coming to get. They needed a healing. They needed this. They needed that. She did you know, acupuncture, you know, uh, the cranial sacral therapy. And she was working on infants. Yeah. And she was working on very elderly. She was any age group. So what I did is I gave her a whole selection of some of Spotted Peccary music. And we did this as an experiment. I said, next time you're doing your massage therapy or modalities, maybe put on one of these titles and have it playing softly in the background. Mm -hmm. And see what happens when you're doing the healing work mm -hmm. or the adjustment in the cranial area. And so she started doing that. And what we noticed and what she reported back after like a year of doing this, it wasn't just an over, I said try it for months. She had so many clients. <clears throat> what they did is they started asking, can I get that music? Because I found that if I can't get into an appointment to see you because you're booked up, if I could have that music at home, yeah. it will take me back right. to the healing that I had from you yeah. until I can get in to see you again. Yeah. Now, what if we could do that with HemiSync meditative workshops or retreats, of which I've done many. There's all kinds of people that do them that really know what they're doing. Yeah. Do a retreat. Have them get the specific healing or wellness that they're looking for. Get that pattern start to reprogram in there so that they have that reference. And then make sure that they have that with them yeah. so that it's not just for that weekend. Right. They can reinforce it. And it doesn't take much. A 2% change is all it takes yeah. to make it stick. Yeah. And once you've made the change, it's almost an impossibility when that reprogram pattern gets in there. It's impossible to go back to the old one. Your subconscious, it's just not going to allow it. Right. That's what's important. Right. And a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> and they need to know it. And how do you know that? Right? Let's just wrap this and we can get into some other stuff. Oh, excellent. See, I could go on. We could be here for days. This is a retreat in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah, thanks so much for working with us over the years. We oh, look, you're very we look welcome. To, uh, future collaboration. Oh, yeah. And thanks to all of you for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.